0: Hey there, I'm Sarah Petty, the founder of Nourish and Connect and Power at Movement Co. And this is Nourish and Connect Diverse Dialogues. This podcast is a collaborative effort between myself, Angel Austin, and Christine Walker McSpadden. Here you'll find those messy conversations that connect the dots between fat liberation, body positivity, intuitive eating, and the reminder that we have this one life to live and you're the only one who has to live it in your body
1: welcome back everybody we are talking today about reclaiming food and movement especially if you are in a fat body and what that can look like the criticisms that can come up when you're trying to do that um, and the general experience of what it feels like to move just for movement's sake what it feels like to eat foods that make your body feel good or better just because of that and not for any other reason um, so I'd love to hear from both Angel and Christine talking about about this and we're just gonna have a general conversation.
2: Oh yeah. I came to reclaiming nourishment and movements through the disordered pathway where I was really disordered in my behavior. Deep dive in and there just wasn't the science to back up any of the stuff that we're told all the time explained why I was feeling the way I was, why I was having the quote unquote results the way I point where it was just got easier so I needed something else and I needed to reclaim it for myself and what was right for me Me. and uh it really came down I know that I knew and know that you know movement whether I like it or not I was actually just talking to a client about this right before we got on here about how the two chores I get annoyed with the most are dishes and laundry, because they are just never done, right? Like, if there's just at no point are they ever complete. And um we were talking about how she feels like that about movement and how, like, I already did that, you know? I, I did that one thing. Aren't I supposed to feel better? And it turns out we got to keep doing it to feel better. And I knew that movement made me feel better. I knew that picking up heavy things made me feel better. I knew that kickboxing made me feel better. Um, so that I just really committed to figuring out how to do it on my terms and not the terms that the world kept trying to hand me.
1: That's really powerful, the concept of just knowing it's going to make, make you feel better and and knowing that it will never be done. It's not like you can just check it off and be done with it, but because it's a process of continuing to seek feeling better Um, Mm -hmm. that is motivating in and of itself but it's really hard I think I I love a lot of clients too that have expressed frustration with like I have to move again tomorrow (laughs) and I don't (laughs) want (laughs) to I don't
2: want I already did the thing I did that so how do we
1: reclaim this narrative of um, moving because quote-unquote We know it's good for us or it helps us feel better, which is a neutral experience. But I think it's harder for people with this experience of movement being used as punishment or being told they can't do a certain kind of movement because of their body size or movement being actively used as a way to exclude them. It's even harder to have that neutral experience moving for movement's sake. So what has that been like for both of you?
3: Well, it's kinda of like what Christine was saying about doing it at our own terms or in a way that works for us. I remember when on our power up account, we got this message one time about our approach to movement being ableist because of like replacing fat phobia with ableism, essentially talking about how we could use movement for a, b c d whatever, regardless of what size our body was and i was pissed off about it to be honest but i tried (laughs) i tried to respond in a way that i wanted you know i wanted to be helpful but honest and moving in our own terms or on our own terms flies in the face of everything we've been taught and so it's no wonder that people have this perception that movement is punishment you know it's no wonder that we i mean that's all we've ever known it to be and so when we talk about movement there's this idea of, or picture that plays, or movie that plays in people's heads about what they've known movement to be, and they project it onto what it is that we're trying to do, and that's not at all what it is. And when y'all are talking about, I got to do this again today, like I assume people shower regularly or brush their teeth, right? You know, imagine saying, I brushed my teeth a week ago. Why should I have to do that do that again? You know what I mean? Like, I don't it's... have to imagine that my nine year old says that frequently.
1: I hate brushing my teeth <laughs> so much, but I also hate having that like slimy feel. Yes. Uh-huh. Exactly. And so I brush my teeth, not even every day, but most days, if we're going to be honest, because yeah. it's disgusting if I don't. And so I don't want to feel disgusting more than I don't like the feeling of brushing my teeth.
3: Yeah. yeah, And as much as you don't enjoy it, you know that it's necessary for you to feel a certain way of, of you know, kind of self-care. And I think that changing that mindset for people who have had horrible experiences, experiences with movement in their lives or like we're talking about reclaiming those things to be tools that we use on our own terms, I think invited on an adventure to learn what that is and to be open and to pose it that way is the way to kind of change the perspective um and not i say this sometimes i think about it i think i said to y'all before but you know moving not to count or get done you know get it over with which i know sometimes that's all you can do because you're just coping right but what are you feeling when you move like thinking about what's happening as you move like to get to the place to where you're not dreading it so much And maybe in the moment you're actually feeling something good. Like last night, I don't know what happened. Oh, I had dancing, sitting, I didn't stretch. And apparently, (laughs) and so I got this, this muscle that wraps around from my back to my side and it just tenses up, you know, can I get like the massage gun and like knock it out for me or I'll stretch or do whatever because I need relief. And so many of the things that we're feeling in our bodies, pains and tension, stress from the day, all these things can be, if not alleviated, very greatly helped with movement. But if we don't see movement as a uh, uh, aid or a cure or, you know, and it's just a chore, of course, we're going to have this perception about it, you know. And so it's like, how do we shift that perspective from it being something we got to do As a means to an end, like, um, like the things that we've done all this time or that we see, you know, all around us and all the messaging that we get, how can we shift that perspective to actually being a form of care for ourselves that makes us feel better or help us reach goals that we've set, you know, things that we want to be able to do more readily for ourselves, for our family, you know, how do we talk about that more? How do we shift that paradigm? I think
2: that's a really interesting point about shifting the paradigm. You mentioned like going into it with a specific number or a specific piece of clothing you want to fit into. And it's almost like mm-hmm. as soon as we reclaim nourishment and food, mm-hmm. we have to give up those former goals, right? Those are, those goals that like we, we could touch, we could feel, we could see. Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden we just have these sort of vague goals of I want to feel better and things that are just just much more vague than I want to wear this dress that's in my closet that I haven't worn in three years. Mm-hmm. You know, we're giving up all of these toxic goals that we've probably had for a long time and now we'd mm-hmm. figure out what to replace them with. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a really valid point and maybe not even something that I've thought of that much other than mm-hmm. I just want to feel better. That's yeah. that's really sort of vague. I'm like, is, what does that mean? Yeah. And I've had to replace it with I get to move every day. Because for mm-hmm. me that's not always a given. I don't always get to uh-huh. move. Depending if, you know, my lupus is flaring up, I can't mm-hmm. move. So for me it's been holding on to the I get to move today. Which mm-hmm. is still sort of vague, but it's slightly a replacement.
1: Yeah, no. I agree with what you're saying about you know, just saying I want to feel better can feel really big. And for some people, I've realized that's enough. Some people just need to grasp onto that concept. But a lot of people really need more specifics. And that's why I host Mm -hmm. goal setting workshops and walk people through a whole process to set very specific goals that are weight neutral. Like I want to be able to hike a certain length of uh, this specific trail that I like, or I want to be able to have less knee pain when I'm climbing stairs at work. It's like something that can be very tangibly, you know, oh, we know for sure that we either got it or we didn't. So you can say you did it or didn't, but also um something that you can have a time-based motivation to move in response to that. Like if you know you want less knee pain when climbing stairs at work, um, you know you can work on different aspects of building strength in your legs and also just making sure the knees are doing okay in case there's something else going on. And within like a three month time period, it's very reasonable to see quote unquote results with that specific goal. And if you don't, then you know that something needs to be adjusted. Right. So I am a big fan of being very specific when possible. With goals. And that's really hard to do when the only goals you've ever had were lose X number of pounds or be in a size X. And so shifting that perspective takes a lot of brain power. And I think for some people, it's a a little bit overwhelming. So I don't force it. (laughs) Sometimes just saying I want to feel better and I know if I move, I feel better can be good enough.
3: Yeah. And I think for larger people who might not set those types of goals, like for myself, you know, it's about autonomy and, you know, being able to care for myself more, you know, it might be that you want to be able to take a shower, you know, or you might want to be able to go sit you know, in the yard or, you know, whatever the case may be, I think across the board, you know, giving people permission to set any goal that works for them, um, whatever that looks like, um, removing the shame around that. I know I've talked to people about cooking, you know, in the kitchen and how people have a lot of shame around not being able to stand for periods of time, you know, to cut up vegetables or to do whatever and I I just really feel strongly that people need to be able to have the freedom to create a life that they need that works for them. And if that means that, you know, I mean, if you want to stand, you know, you can, but you know, if you have the goal of being able to get in the kitchen in the first place, you know, and being able to sit in a chair for an hour or so to cook a meal or, whatever it could be, no matter how big or small or whatever the perception, I think the thing is to take all of the preconceived notions out of it and say, what do you really need? And that's very difficult work because we have this idea about what we should be doing and how we should be acting, how we should be behaving. And it's different for all of us. But when you have this constant messaging, I'm looking at YouTube today, I'm looking at Oprah. It's astounding to me that someone's so brilliant, And has achieved so much still has this goal of being small and snatched quote-unquote you know and having this look and it just shows goes to show you how whatever perceptions we have about success you know in the world and when a person's arrived quote-unquote and all these things that are kind of pumped into us to make us believe that you know once we achieve abc whatever that we've arrived that Everyone's dealing. Everyone is dealing. Everyone is a a victim of these mindsets. And, and, um, so we, we can't beat ourselves up when, you know, we still kind of fall back into those, those thought patterns. But I just want us all, no matter who we are, where we're from, what size we are, what intersections we represent to be able to create a life, uh, movement, food, whatever that really works for us and you know in our work to be able to drive that message home i'll listen to sarah talk about hiking you know and that for a lot of people that's going to be something that they might aspire to do i might not ever hike in my lifetime you know and that's okay for me and i need to know that that's okay a person that's just able needs to know that if they're paralyzed or if they're intense pain that there might be things that movement can do to help them, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they have to do what they see someone else do, you know, mm-hmm. and just being comfortable and happy and using movement and, and, food in ways that really do work for us as individuals without looking out to see how we should be.
2: Yeah. I think it's really about giving ourselves some grace for that.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: I mean, definitely being in a fat body, especially a fat body that does not fit into spaces yeah. like a a fat body that does not fit into an airplane seat i do not i cannot travel Mm -hmm. um in a lot of you know common ways because i'm not going to fit into the seat yeah um and i think that buying ourselves some grace for our goals looking different i think that's exactly on the nose i probably Mm -hmm. won't hike again um so you know for me, having those goals are slightly different. How do I move in a way today that is going to enable me to get from my bedroom to the kitchen? Yeah. And for me having, you know, one of my major goals is having a toolbox of movements that I know will allow me to get through certain flare ups or that will allow me some relief. You, know, mm-hmm. you talked about that pain that goes around your side. Like certain movements I know that will buy me relief from things like that. And those Mm -hmm. are goals that I focus on more so than some of those bigger goals that are longer term. Like I worked with a client over the past few weeks who's been traveling nonstop for the holidays about what they can do before they get on the plane and what they can do right after they get off the plane Mm -hmm. because they know it's going to be a painful ride. And that was their goal for the holiday season was how do I travel and be able to combat not fitting and the positions i'm going to have to put my body into to be able to travel in this way so the goals can look extremely different and not even just goals but how do i survive like our bodies for the most part regardless of how they move are are made to move they're meant to move they're a collection of pulleys and levers and joints and Our bodies are meant to move and of course it looks different for everybody. And sometimes that's just how do I get through the next 10 minutes? What is one thing I can do to get through this thing that I know is going to hurt? Like Mm -hmm. getting up and going and doing dishes or cooking or you could absolutely go to the kitchen and cook and it can be an Mm -hmm. enjoyable experience and it can still cause you physical pain. Mm -hmm. So are Mm -hmm. there things that can help you combat that physical pain that you know you're going to have before or after that event. Mm-hmm. I think are really amazing goals and reasons to reclaim movement for your body.
1: And that feels very different, that whole, like, making, getting through the day and how do I survive this and how can movement help me just get from point A to point B relatively safely. That's a very different than the joyful movement vibe that We see a lot on Instagram, which there is nothing wrong with. It's lovely. It's amazing. But I feel like many of my clients have kind of almost been switched from this idea of like, oh, I have to move to punish my body to, oh, I can only have a really good time when I'm moving or it's like, Like, or it's a punishment. (laughs) And so what (laughs) I would love to hear from both of you is how did you transition from punishing your body with movement to realizing movement could be functional, but it didn't always have to be joyful to be helpful and good. If that makes sense.
2: <laughs> Therapy <laughs> <laughs> it was a topic of my therapist because I was, I couldn't find joy in much of anything. Um, I was like, how are, how are you supposed to love this? This is hard. This isn't, uh, it was a lot of uh, acceptance and grace. And once for me, once I had found the sort of acceptance and grace that the activity itself does not have to be, you know, walking on clouds and joyful and happy and laughing. No activity in the world needs to be that way to be positive and have a positive effect. And then I started to feel Mm -hmm. those joyful moments that came after, Mm -hmm. right? Like for people who like to cook and all of a sudden you have a tool, whether it's a comfy chair or a seated stretch that you could do to cook now you've had that experience where you've been able to cook in the kitchen and that's where that joy comes in so i needed to adjust what that meant
3: you know i'll be really honest back in the day when i used to exercise and restrict in a very toxic way i (laughs) i loved the pain like i loved Mm -hmm. uh, the pain of lifting i love having doms i loved being on the treadmill and feeling like i was going to pass out and then putting this particular song on and for some reason my brain would just trip and i'd have endurance to be able to go like 10 more minutes like i loved that aspect of what my body could do and the way that i felt and then being able to see results like it wasn't so much about my body it was about You know being able to like I remember we used to go down to the lake and I used to be able to walk further and that was a real big deal for me because my back had been so messed up for so long that I would get really bad pain when I'd stand or walk too long and then the more I'd be on the treadmill the more I'd realize I was walking further without being able to you know having to stop or sit like those were all wonderful things it hurt in the in the meantime like it was not pleasant to How to do that but i would see the results now the beautiful thing about that is you know my body is not what it was that like back then like i'm older you know more chronic pain you know issues i remember that feeling and now i don't have to do it for the reasons that i did it then weight loss and the number on the scale and the you know all the stuff you know i don't i can take that out of it and remember that it was painful You know that i was sore there were days that it didn't feel good to me but i loved feeling strong you know and i loved feeling you know more stamina and being able to walk further and less pain i remember i would go into leg presses with pain knowing that it was going to hurt um and realizing that by strengthening the muscles around my knees that it was going to help it you know it didn't make sense at first because it was like why would you do something if your knees are already hurting? Why would you do something that was painful? But I knew from trial and error and, you know, doing it time and time again, that whenever my knee pain would flare up, I do leg presses and it would fix it every time. You know, so I I think because of those experiences, I can kind of readjust and create those experiences for where I am now in my life without the toxicity, you know, without the, the stuff That was driving me at that time and embrace it and know that um, I'm going to be sore, you know, if I really get in there and start, you know, you know, lifting my legs or using weights or whatever, that there's going to be a time of soreness after it might not be pleasant. I might have all these thoughts about what angel, what are you doing? It's not going to work, you know, all the things that come to us when we're in the middle of stuff that's really unpleasant, but that I'm going to reap the benefits once I get through it. And if I'm consistent, there's a certain number of benefits that I'll, you know, experience. It might not be what it was back then, but it's going to be beneficial for me.
1: Thanks for sharing that. And I do want to point out that I think everybody's values are going to be different and how much joy they want to get out of movement is probably going to vary based on that. So some people find it really hard to move unless they're having a good time and they're going to find that tedious, like showing it people when it's uncomfortable experience Really mm-hmm. difficult, um and that's okay we're We're not saying that that's the wrong way to do it or anything like that, but what we've found through our own experiences is that the majority of movement is more of a neutral, kind of like we're talking about neutral vibes only <laughs> um, more of a, <laughs> a neutral experience, and sometimes it is uncomfortable, and some people yeah. have a higher tolerance for discomfort than others. so if you have a low tolerance for discomfort, that doesn't mean you're doing movement wrong but it does mean you might need to get really creative with how you experience movement because it can't always be frolicking on the hills and having the water to be <laughs>
3: limited. It's, if you if you go into it with the expectation that it's always going to be one way or the other, you're going to have a very limited experience and it's likely you're not going to be able to be consistent. But if you understand that there are some, you know, days that you're based upon so many variables, right. You're going to feel a different way when you go into the movement, um, that you just gotta roll with it, you know, and realize that you know whether you set goals or whatever the case may be, that if you 're consistent with it, you 're going to feel better
1: and in this way, movement can be a really great tool for learning to build what 's called your p- window of tolerance um, if yeah. you 've done any kind of somatic work or therapy that yeah. works on trauma support, so you may be familiar with what i 'm talking about, but if not, just know yeah. that basically what that means is your ability to tolerate stress. And movement, especially training specifically, not just general movement, but training where you're doing something for repetitions, for a specific outcome that you're going after, it could be weightlifting, it could be walking or running or something, anything that you're kind of pushing yourself. Um, When you're doing that, you're building your window of tolerance. And when you are open to it being a little bit uncomfortable, but not so uncomfortable that you're shutting down or in a freeze state or having a rough time and, you know, feeling really stressed out afterwards, what that does is increase your ability to have more discomfort in the future. And that goes so far beyond your physical benefits of just being able to do more physically, but also that improves your mental stamina and your mental ability to tolerate discomfort. And that can be helpful for a lot of reasons. And that's part of the reasons why we associate exercise or training with improved mental health. Um, It's because it's improving that window of tolerance. Um we talked a little bit about the comment that you got in our DM yeah. talking about movement being beneficial for increased access to things without being an ableist concept but I want to know if have, have either of you experienced within the Hays or fat positive communities people that are seeking out improving skills with movement in some way and that being told that that's antithetical to the concept of health at every size, or the concept of weight inclusiveness, or weight a neutral experience. Um, I'd love to hear if there's any like personal stories you want to share, or or just con- you know general ideas that you've seen.
2: I think that the um, body positive and fat positive spheres can get really tricky, and just even talking about the things Angel was just talking about, right? Like and being honest. I, it's really gaslighting, mm-hmm. like, but you're expected to give up all of the toxic thoughts and behaviors, but there's nothing there to sort of replace it. And, and sometimes, not sometimes, a lot of times people just don't want to hear it. They don't want to talk about it. Like it's so far goes the other way. Yeah. Like completely the other way that there is no room for anything in that neutral zone.
1: Why do you think um, that is?
2: I think the neutral zone is much more nuanced and you have to face really hard things there. Yeah. I think it's easier to give it all up and go in the other direction. It's it's sort of like, um, you know, like those toys where you swing the ball one way and it goes really far the other way and it eventually comes back to neutral. I think it's really easy to swing our equilibrium all the way to the other way. And then it takes time and work to come back to neutral and stable. And I think that's where the hard stuff is, is in realizing that it's just not all the way to the other. It's just not all the way to the other side.
1: It's so that's ironic. Not the answer. Yeah, it's so ironic that, um, you know, in the principles of intuitive eating, we're taught that if you've been restricting for a long time, it's normal to swing away for a little while before you find what feels like a more balanced eating style that it feels good for your body and so you have to just be willing to go through that and know that it's going to be tough Mm -hmm. but in the same intuitive eating space and the same thing for maybe talking about movement too people really swing hard the other way um, not just with like over-exercising to not moving at all, but this mental headspace swings hard the other way from you have to, you know, be always optimizing and always doing your best to be as fit as you possibly can be or to eat as healthy as you possibly can be can swing the other way to, well, since we're going to all die anyway, it doesn't, it doesn't matter at all, which you know what you actually don't care. That is okay. You're allowed to not care, but that doesn't mean everyone in the world isn't allowed to care.
2: (laughs) Right. And it Listen. leaves no room for that nuance of discussion. Like I this is it's very interesting. I have a client who very much is going through this, you know, sort of like doing the hard work of coming to neutral, realizing that when she eats certain ways, she feels better. When she does certain things with her food, she feels better. When she mm. moves a certain amount per week, per day, whatever it is, she just feels better. And. Mm that it can be hard to talk about in those spaces because it fits within some of those guidelines and rules. And I mean, I even found myself like, sometimes if she's talking about it, I have to like almost be like, no, wait a second. We need to talk about these things because we're so conditioned to go so far the other way and just not allow that room. Sometimes you're gonna feel better by doing certain things. These are just how the body works. This is how it is. and it's gonna be different for everybody, but we've got to have that room to talk about it. And it's scary. A lot of people are scared to talk about it. Um, and I'm noticing right now, there is some work going on in the decolonizing spaces of body liberation and fat liberation where they're actually openly talking about these topics mm-hmm. and in a very public way. And it is ruffling a lot of our feathers and I'm even finding myself having a guttural reaction to it. Like, oh, my God, no, we don't talk about that. <laughs> like, we don't do that. We, give, we gave that up, remember? Um, but I'm so glad to see those spaces being opened and being held because you can't get to neutral without doing the work. It's just, it's the hard space to get to where the hard work is.
3: It's a real blind spot, and I can tell you that um, with my work with Asda, we've actually have removed anything about movement from our principles. Go, going into it, I was, I understood, right? But since I know what I know now <laughs> and like have come to this understanding, um, I feel like, like I said, it's a real blind spot. I, I think people don't, like y'all said, don't want to do the work to parse it out and to help people understand it or to be able to receive it. Uh, in a way that works for them of triggers or whatever the case may be. That's kind of the things that I've heard, you know, in this space. I personally, in my community, I'm talking about it and I realize now that we have to talk about it, that there are people who are suffering because, um, you know, they've been told for years, if you're fat, you know, uh, you should be able to do what you want to do. Nobody should be able to tell you anything. You should be able to eat whatever you want to eat, whatever. Um, Mm -hmm. because for so long, that was a push, right? Like, for us not to be, for not to lose our autonomy around, you know, stuff that we wanted to do because we were fat and what the world says about us and yada, yada, yada. We know all that. Which is like
2: a really important step, right? Like, it is definitely an important step, but it doesn't
3: stop there. You have to go there. But now I feel like you said, Mm -hmm. there's a shift where people are understanding that. Hey, there are things that I'm doing in my life that are making it harder for me. Why can't I make changes that work for right. me? Uh, then you have the overlap of like the whole ED community, like where that's, it's like almost like they're bumping heads because for me to talk about that, you know, it's a trigger to a person that's had an eating disorder. Well, I've had an eating disorder, you know, how do we maneuver in these spaces where, what what i talk about can be perceived as harm to you but it's harmful for me not to be able to parse it out you know what i'm saying like we got to be able to do that work we have to yeah
2: we need to move from safe space to a brave space yes right like i i think that these spaces are important and i think that they serve a role and i think they are a step in the process and i also don't think that there's moving forward until you have a brave space yeah. To hold that. And it's hard because I really want us to hold each other and yeah. not be so stuck in that self involved. Well, that triggers me. Yes. I don't want to hear it. <sighs> okay, so what that tells me for me is that maybe I do need to hear it and I need to work through why that's giving me such pushback. And that mm. has been a gift for Ooh, me. That's is so sort of watching right? Like I I'm, I'm watching this happen right now in real time where we've got two um providers that I adore in the Mm -hmm. body liberation space starting to talk about harm reduction and intentional weight loss. Mm -hmm. Boy, did that hit a trigger spot. Mm -hmm. And instead of ignoring it, I really am taken as a huh, why, why do I wanna like go insular with that and shut it down instead of be part of the conversation that my community is having? I want to be more, I want to do it together. I want to do this healing work together as Mm a community and just not so singularly and not just so like wrapped up in my own stuff.
1: Yeah. It's really hard when everybody's in a different place in their like knowledge journey, as well as their healing journey. Mm -hmm. And we're all existing in this little pool together and we, we all have our own needs and experiences. So it's impossible to make, a discussion, feel safe for everybody all at the same time. Right. And yet we're ha- We have to have it anyway, because that's the, that is literally life. Like life isn't safe and we still have to move forward anyway. Right. Mm-hmm. But that's so tricky. And I, I spent a lot of time wondering how much of the black and white thinking that is really prevalent in like the eating disorder um, discussions, mm-hmm. as well as like, even in like body positivity or hazel lined, dogma for lack of a better word um how much of that black and white thinking is because a lot of us are drawn to these thoughts because we're neurodivergent and neurodivergent people tend to struggle with black and white thinking and how much of it is black and white thinking imposed upon us because because diet culture is very black and white like you're either doing Mm -hmm. it right Right. or you're a failure (laughs) and i wonder is it a lot of both probably (laughs)
2: I do think so. Yeah, I mean, I'm not entirely sure there's anything just binary about the world. Mm
3: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
2: You know, I, I, I answer a lot of questions. I don't, even my kid, but mostly my clients ask me with, I don't know. It depends. Maybe there's just, it's just, I don't think it's as easy as good and bad. Do this, do that. Don't do this. You know, I personally cannot survive to my best ability with just eating everything I come in contact with and never moving. Like yeah. that's not gonna work for me. But you better believe I went through that process. That was part of my process and part of me learning how to come back to neutral from that. I do not find comfort in binaries. I've had to really learn how to, I, I think I did previously find comfort in binaries, right? You're either this or you're that. It's either this or that. This if will happen or you- that will happen. Yeah, I feels good right. Pushing ourselves out of that and really learning to find sort of joy and some, like, I don't know, some sort of, like, movement itself with the, I don't know, it depends. It will, my spouse says this all the time, I don't know, it will or it won't. When I'm, like, stressing about something, like, oh, my God, is this going to happen? I don't know, it will or it won't. I or maybe that. something yeah. else will happen.
1: That makes me oh. so, I would be so <laughs> mad, but also that's brilliant.
2: Right? Right? <laughs> You, I had this moment of what the crap? You're right. <laughs> I mean, I also, yeah, it's, it will or it won't. I don't know.
3: I think there are shifts in movements, right? Like fat liberation ahead as a whole. I feel like at the early onset, it was like we're fat. We can do what we want to do. Don't tell us what right. to do. We eat what we want. Blah, blah blah blah. And I think that that shift that's happening is like the next place we're going. And I think people we be able to as long as we know there are things that we do not uphold those things we can agree upon like we need to figure out there are things that we don't we don't want to do weight loss for the sake of weight loss like weight loss for whatever the case may be like and and also understand that we totally get why somebody would want to lose weight because right of freaking diet culture in the world and all the messaging like it totally makes sense and that's something that a lot of people in these spaces don't even want to admit or talk about, but that's a whole other subject. But like getting to the place to where we're like, okay, these are the things that we do not uphold, you know, because of the way that they are toxic to us and that they have not proven to help us in the past. But aside from that, get in wherever you fit in, because it's about what you need in your life. Um, We won't ever, you know, preach weight loss or, you know, all these different things that we know are harmful. But aside from that, we want you to do what you need to do for your body to feel good and to live each day and to survive. And if that means that there are foods that you can't eat or won't eat because they make you feel sick, you should be able to talk about that and you should be able to have the right to do whatever it is you need to do to feel good. Like, who, and like, there's who always somebody who's going to learn from you,
2: right? Yes. Like the more we talk about it, somebody's going to be like, oh, my God, wait a second, me too. Yeah. there's always i find that when i finally start listening and i'm able to like get over my own stuff and i start yep. listening i'm like holy crap wait a second yep that is so it's useful it's so
3: helpful i relate yeah, yeah. and then if, if you had just shut down and would be like oh crap that triggers me i don't want to talk about that or mm-hmm. we don't talk about weight loss here or we don't have if you never those conversations or you were never open to realize that there were other people who are going through the same things that you're going through I mean, you get, you get stuck. And I think that right. we have to push. We have to talk. We have to. And if you, if it really just is too much for you, um, you don't have to participate. Like you have that same autonomy not to, but I think just not to do it, not to talk about it, not to, you know, explore the nuance of it is problematic. And I don't think we're going to ever, we don't need to go back there and in places where it's still that way, we need to change it.
2: And I mean, when you think about the history of some of these movements, like the original history of NAFA, where uh-huh. it was created by a man yep. who wanted to, I mean, it was basically a feeder-feedy, uh-huh. you know, support. Group. And yeah. a lot, I'm going to keep my opinions about that uh, NAFA to myself. Um, but a lot of these fat positive spaces come yeah. from non fat admirers of fat people
3: yep,
2: you're right. who want to uphold mm-hmm. a lot of the toxic behaviors, Yeah, which is a whole other conversation, which could take yep. up a, yeah, a lot of like, time. I think we should when have we a start podcast looking, on that. <laughs> <laughs> when we start looking into how we got here, it's because we were yeah. upholding somebody else's beliefs about our bodies.
3: Yeah. And it's about evolution. It's up to us uh, to move it forward. But... We should be growing and changing and evolving and always. Always making our lives better. You know what I mean? Like once you know you know. And once you know, you do better.
2: Yeah, Mm -hmm. know better, do better. I tell my Mm -hmm. kid that all the time. No, now we know. Now we'll do better. Yeah.
1: Probably one of the most powerful messages I walked away from my trauma informed training stuff was the best way you can offer healing into the world and and really tough conversations like this is to show up as attuned as you can be meaning like show up as non-reactive as possible and be willing to be curious about the things that are being said and trying not to take it personally or making assumptions of what someone means, but instead asking, what do you mean by that? And really entertaining Mm -hmm. it as like, what if this could be true rather than just shutting it down immediately? Just that is exactly
3: it. Yeah. Yeah. Be curious. Ask questions. Plus, how do you ever get people to understand that there are things that they are experiencing that are toxic to them? You know, if we don't hear them, you know, if a person comes to you and says, I want to lose ten such and such pounds. And you're like, we don't talk about that here. Like, how is that helping right. them? You know, like how do how do we if we shut them down and don't relate to them or can't don't, you know, aren't able to share our own lived experiences around the feelings that they're having right now? We were there, too. We've been here, you know, right. so we like, didn't why- just
2: get where we are today by not going through
3: that. Yes. Yes. And That's what a definitely.
2: disservice to close a door in somebody's face. Yes. And I used to be that trainer. I don't talk about Same. it, I don't do it, da, da 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 da. I but you know, for me that shifted with working with the gender nonconforming because they yeah. cannot we cannot get a lot of those surgeries without an intentional weight loss program. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, that, I had to confront that. And then yeah. I started to open the door of, oh, wait a second. Mm-hmm. This is not black and white. And I am doing a disservice not only to myself, but my community.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: By just completely yeah. putting my head in the sand and refusing to talk about it. Yeah. Or listen, or hold that space. Like, the yeah. least I can do is hold that space. Yeah. And asking questions will help us all heal.
1: Yes. And that's that on that. Ooh. <laughs> that got
0: heavy. Thanks for listening to Nourish and Connect, Diverse Dialogues. If you enjoyed today's episode, please consider giving us a review and let us know if you learned anything new or if you have a burning question you'd like us to consider answering in a future episode. You can contact us on Instagram at powerup.movementco and you can email Sarah at contact at sarahempowers.com. Now here's the part where you get to move forward with your day, hopefully with some more neutral vibes. I wish you lots of luck with that and I'll see you next time.